This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off of a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash pcper and use promo code pcper. That's awaytravel.com slash pcper, promo code pcper. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 497 being recorded April 25th, 2018. I'm Alan Malventano. Why is it always me? It's never me. It's like Jeremy. You screwed it up. But I'm Josh Walworth still. <laughs> and playing the part of Josh Walworth is Jeremy Hellstrom. And I'm Alvin Melvin Tutton now. No, no, no. What? You guys switch and it just screws me up. I was last. Alan Melvin Tutton is last. I guess. I don't it's know. in the script, damn it. Yeah, yeah All I, I ever wanted was a the, lower The guy didn't update the cue cards. That's so much to here. ask for. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, pcper.com slash podcast is where uh, you can find. Our podcast show notes from the show and other shows. Well, this show isn't like posted there quite yet, but you know, we'll get there. Um, Twitter.com slash PCPer. Uh, Brian is, I don't know. He's doing somewhere some stuff with somewhere. some stuff and some people. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Where is the next? That's not it. There we go. Uh, get it together, Alan. I'm working on it. <laughs> Mailing list. Spam list. I get no spam. Um, you know, all those things. Uh, if you go to PCPro.com slash subscribe, you give us your name, your email address, we'll let you know before the show. Like Ken did earlier. It's probably still going out. I sent it a bit late. Oh. It takes a lot of time to send ma- mass, mass email, emails. as it turns out. You get like rate limited and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. BS. Yeah. Try not to trigger uh, spam filters and stuff. <laughs> Um, patreon.com slash pcper is where you can, you know, help us uh, keep the lights on and stuff. What's our, what's like the next tier thing? Like we're doing mailbags. What was the, hmm. I don't know if we committed to anything or not. Just give not, us money and we'll do wonderful things, right? Not quite sure. But, you know. But what he said. There's, there's always that. There yeah. is always that. Keep Still the thought it was Josh taking off. the bathrobe off. Yeah. Oh, God. It's nice. We should put that on a t-shirt. Do you should. want more Josh tech? Yes. Some Photoshop a mug into his hand, though. <laughs> Josh tech with a Josh tech mug? Yep. <sighs> Mailbag number 40. Happened, uh, you know, a little while back. Right 420. Plays it. Uh, yeah. Recorded on 420. Uh, Ken's working there in the background, uh, just behind Ryan's ear. Yep, there he goes. Mm-hmm. You can, if you look close enough, you can see that he's, uh, watching porn. No. No? Maybe. And can neither confirm nor deny. I have the right to not, not further incriminate myself. Yes, exactly. He pleads the fifth. There's a lot Pay of no attention on. to the lotion bottle. No, that's on Ryan's desk, Yeah, that's actually. on Ryan's desk. Yeah, it's right He's there. He's got the bottle of Jergens. Corner of Ryan, yeah. Shared yeah. lotion does not make it Jerkins? better. Jergens? Did you just say a bottle of Jergens? <laughs> yes, yeah, I a bo- did. A bottle of Jergens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, sorry. It's pronounced Gherkin. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one part of also this. Be weird, though. <laughs> I, for the longest time, I didn't sit at that desk next to Ryan's, and then, like, the bottle was, like, there right next to the wipes we used to clean off... Um, 
to clean off oh, meat the, sinks and stuff. Ice for clean off alcohol what? Wipes. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, it's the Jerkins. That's hardcore. Jerkins right and the alcohol wipes next to each other. No, it's kind of like, I just like, kind of like, is that like icy hot? I, I guess. I guess that's what it does. I don't know. It's, that's for the masochist of the family. Yeah, it's too much, too much information. Um, what is the short? Oh, yeah. JoshTech.com. Yeah. Uh, it gets you to our merch store uh, where you can get. I need to order one of these shirts. I mean, me too. Yeah, and the mug, maybe even the print. I drink my coffee out of that mug every morning. It makes me a little happy. Josh, how many of those things off. have you ordered? I, I've I've not ordered any. It's been a uh, it's been a rough year with a uh, medical bills uh, for my kid, mm. and my wife took a job that pays less, and so budgeting is. Uh, Challenging. So that's patreon.com slash PC. Yeah. Yeah. And the royalty checks aren't flowing because people aren't buying enough merchandise. Got to buy more merch. But also have to, uh, I, I have to write more articles. Yeah. I, I should do enough work to get paid. You got an article in here. One. Snuck it in. I'm going to have another before the end of this month. Yeah. Oh, I probably I'll do Intel as well. So two more. Gotta get, gotta get paid. Get on that four seventy. Yeah. Okay. Four seventy. Well, uh, what else do we got? I guess we'll just get in the reviews then. Reviews. Uh, wait a minute. Did you not have a Ryzen? Review? We talked about it last week. Remember we last did week? the pre-recorded thing uh, and inserted it. Oh yeah, yeah, right yeah. into the middle. But what there was not a pre-recorded thing of last week, and that we couldn't talk about live on the podcast last week because it was before the NDA uh, was I took a look at some of the storage performance of the Ryzen X470 About platform. stinking time. What? what? <laughs> I've done... I've only been waiting a year for you to check out NVMe performance we between did. AMD and Intel. We did another article on that like a freaking year ago. Whatever. No, it was crap. What <laughs> <It> was crap? <laughs> It doesn't mean you didn't do it. That one. I mean, there, a were, year for it. there were charts and latency percentile and everything in that I other mean, article. Whatever. Anyway. Um, uh, you used a J Micron drive. No, I didn't. <laughs> I don't even have any of those that work anymore. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so NVMe RAID on a X470 platform versus a Z270, because that's what I happen to have information already for, uh, ready to go. So, I don't know, it's 200 less, though. It is It is 200 less, and the whole X's and the Z's thing is really starting to confuse yep. me with these motherboards and the fact that they're also using blank 70 now. Like, what the hell, AMD? Yeah. Seriously. Um, anyway, uh, decided to take a closer look at storage performance than like running your typical cheesy benchmarks. Um, specifically, we wanted to pay attention to low Q-depth random activity. Um, and if you... this In this chart, it's kind of hard to tell just looking at IOPS, but if you look at the numbers at the bottom there, uh, you can see that the X470 platform ended up running like between... It's like anywhere between 20 and 40% lower IOPS. These are the same exact SSDs, just moved between the two platforms. Um, they were actually conditioned exactly the same. Like, we didn't even... 
all the tests we did for this article were read-only, meaning that we were not changing the condition state of the SSDs at all. So all we did was just create arrays without initializing them, um, just using the fast-init feature of whichever the platform was, and just doing the test. Um, so what were IOPS at low Q depths? Um, I had someone email me today, I was talking to Ken about earlier, that they tried the same SSD on a AMD platform versus an Intel platform for an NVMe SSD. And they emailed because they saw, they saw this article and they were like, hey, I couldn't put my finger on it until now. I saw your article. I'm getting this also between the 370, uh, Z370 and an X470 platform. So I don't know exactly what the issue is um, because I don't think this person was using uh, the RAID driver. But there will be slowdowns. Um, I'm, I'm still poking around with it, trying to figure out what the cause is. If you look at the latency, it becomes a little more clear. Um, so we're using 960 Pros. 960 Pros have a typical read latency of around 60 um, microseconds. Uh, but you can tell right there on the blue lines, basically riding straight across at 60, but it only does that on the Intel platform. Uh, as soon as you switch over to AMD, you lose between 10 and 15 microseconds. And this is with the SSD connected directly to the CPU on the AMD platform. So that's solid red line. And then if you want to do RAID on the AMD platform, uh, it works differently than Intel. Intel has the RST driver, but really it actually has hardware support within the chipset. Um, you know, so they can boot from the array and everything. Um, Intel's been doing that for quite a long time and has, has had plenty of time to optimize it. This is one of the first... NVMe RAID things we're seeing on AMD. Um, and you have to install this, what it was, um, RAID expert software that also installs a thing called a bottom driver. And the, it's a weird name, but the bottom driver replaces the Windows NVMe um, inbox driver for those devices. So the devices disappear from your like disk management Um and the only way to use them at that point is to use the um, RAID expert software. It'll see the drives via that bottom driver, and then you can make your array, and then that shows up. Um, mm-hmm. Was there any reason why they used their own bottom driver for that? Well, they don't have the hardware support in the chipset that Intel has. Mm-hmm. Mm. right? So with Intel, you switch your BIOS to RAID mode. You initialize the array. You do all that like within the option ROM. Now, AMD has stuff like that also, but for it to work on the Windows side, you have to, like if you create the array before you install Windows, you have to do your whole F6 driver style Wait, thing. It's not F6 Intel anymore. Intel the same way? You have to do an F6 driver? It's been built in for forever. No, it's built in for forever now. It's been built in since like the X58 or something. Like RST, yeah. It's just it's been in there for. for, for I mean, for assuming it. you're on Windows Seven or more modern. So they have the new device IDs for the platforms that don't exist. What do you mean? It's Intel. I mean, it's been com- it's come in Windows updates, and maybe at some point the bottom driver will just be added to Windows so yeah, that you it, can it, do an install. It might not use the most optimal driver, but it sounds like the drivers that are included on the install are compatible or forward compatible enough for it to work. Yeah. So like, so like with Intel RST. the array is the device and the array underneath the device is presented to the OS just as a single device Mm. with AMD. The BIOS is able to um, get those devices 
together enough to be able to boot. But when you switch over into protected mode, Windows is talking to the drives individually with the driver running on, like, in the kernel side. So it's like, it's more of a software raid than what the Intel raid is. Um, and probably because I mean, it's extra... cool for consumer stuff and enthusiast stuff, but God, I'd hate to try and roll that out. Uh, like try and make a business case for that in a large deployment. R- rolling it out might be tricky. R- rolling yeah. out the Intel side stuff is tricky too. You still have to, you know, do stuff. You still have to configure stuff before you True. set it up. But yeah, you would need that driver like installed in your image. All those precautions you would have to take if you had any kind of, you know, aftermarket storage controller or whatever. Um, that's not really such a big deal. What is more of a big deal though is that the latency via the driver and via the AMD RAID Basically, now you're comparing the two dashed lines. So you have this blue dashed line down here, which is what happens when you take two drives and you put them in an array on Intel. Uh, and you can tell that helps the drives stay much closer to their minimum latency possible um, versus on AMD, you're going from 60 to, what's the actual number? 60 to 91 at QDepth 1 random reads. Uh, 60 to 91 microseconds. So, you know, that's like a 50% increase in latency. Um, that puts it, uh, SATA devices run, you know, between 80 and 100-ish. So you're basically taking NVMe devices and you're pushing them into SATA territory as far as latency go. Hey, um, Alan, can, yeah. can you tell me what's wrong with this graph? What, what, Higher is better. Oh, I was supposed to fix that. Oh, Lower is better. Oh, you could Dang it. IOPS either. Sorry. Yeah, it's not IOPS. It's supposed to be latency. It says latency at the top. And lower is better. Yeah, I'll fix that chart. Dang it. Um, okay, so uh, latency might not be the best deal. Uh, however, uh, AMD does have a significant advantage in that, hey, all your NVMe parts are connected straight to the CPU versus on an Intel system where... Uh, on the you know Z370, Z270 platforms, like all your M.2 slots are typically going through the chipset. Chipset's bottlenecked by DMI. That's only four lanes of PCI Express. Um, so the Intel, no matter what you do, no matter how many drives you put in the array on the Intel side, uh, at least on this platform, you're just saturating at like three and a half gig per second. AMD platform obviously can scale way higher once you add that second drive. Uh, we saw as high as uh, 7 gig per second, which is, you know, the number you would expect. What I don't expect to happen is for that plot line to fall off at higher Q depths. Um, that's not usually what happens for sequentials. Usually for sequentials, the drive hits some maximum and it just stays there. It doesn't matter how many requests ahead you issue it. It just keeps going at full speed. Um, so yeah. is it Swamp doing prediction? Or? I don't know what it's doing, but it did it, um, it, did it even with one drive. Notice that, that uh, finer uh, dashed yeah. line there. That's just a single drive configured as a JBOD just so that the drive can be seen by Windows, just the single SSD. Basically, as soon as it was passing through the driver, that, that, like, that's literally the only difference is that there was a driver installed with this one drive being tested versus... Um, uh, you know, the, the single drive connected directly. So it looks like the driver is doing some sort of cache, just prefetching or caching, and it's actually helping it with the low Q-depth sequentials. And it goes faster earlier, but it does this weird fall-off, which, I don't know. 
it's abnormal. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be slow for you because if you do file copies in Windows, typically the queue depth is bouncing between one and eight anyway. Um, so it's still going to go, still going to go fast. It's just an odd performance trait. Anyway, uh, that's it for the uh, RAID stuff. Now there's another thing that's sort of like RAID, but not. Uh, it's called StoreMI. This is uh, AMD's solution to Intel's RST. I, I thought it was Stormy. Stormy? No. It's no, got to no. be Stormy. Uh, it's got to be Stormy. It, oh, it's man. Stormy. Stormy. Sorry. Not Stormy Daniels, but Stormy. No, that's why. Yeah. That's that's why you should say StoreMI. Anyway, no. It's capital M and a capital I. Sound, stands for machine intelligence. Duh. I mean, obviously, tiered yeah, storage yeah, yeah. and machine intelligence just go hand in hand. So this is a separate driver level thing that can. It's actually kind of tricky the way it works. Uh, it's able to take. Usually, when you create an array of most types, like you, you kind of have to start clean. Usually, sometimes you can migrate, but that gets tricky and. Things can go south and whatnot. Um, this is a caching solution, but it works more like um, what was um, what was Apple's name in there? Fusion Drive. Fusion Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Fusion Drive on Apple worked very much the same way as this, uh, where it was able to, like on Apple, they were they were file aware, and they can say, "Well, I want these files on the solid state, and I want these other." bulk files like on the hard drive um this is less os aware it is just a block level implementation of this so you can take you can start either way you can have your os on a hard drive you can have your os on an ssd either starting point uh but then you can add either if you're on the slow slow thing you can add a fast thing and if you're on the fast thing you can add a slow thing so if you have your os on an ssd add a hard drive or vice versa um install this software package uh, point it at the correct things. It just kind of like has a simple menu that you step through when you when you first run it, and it adds the storage of the other thing to the drive. So, and it, what I mean is not just the caching tier, but it adds the capacity of it because instead of caching things that are frequently read, this solution will move those blocks of data to the faster thing. So if you're playing a game and you've launched it a couple of times already, chances are all of the blocks of data, this is block level, not file level, um, all of those blocks are already sitting on the SSD the next time you launch it. So you're basically launching the game and it, it launches roughly as fast as it did, as, it, as if it was sitting on an SSD. Um, you know, those 20 other Steam games that you haven't played in like the past six months that you've downloaded, Josh, but haven't touched, uh, you know, they're just be sitting, those blocks will have moved off of the SSD and onto the hard disk. So so that actually distributes the data to both drives. Yeah, it starts off with whatever thing you, you initially had your OS installed on, it kind of virtualizes that volume and turns it into something that it can shift blocks around from. And then it's able to, via its driver, it's able to like kind of seamlessly shuffle them back and forth. Um, it's kind of tricky the way it works. It has a weird, like a UEFI, like layer that it adds to the boot drive, so that it can still continue to boot. Because if you think about it, some some parts of Windows might be sitting on the other storage device. 
Right. Which would mean Windows couldn't even boot if it didn't know how to talk to that stuff. So the the UEFI, you know, th- these are the kinds of things UEFI lets you do, right? Like you can get more creative and have more code sitting on a, a, a drive to load things early. Mm-hmm. Um, UEFI is the thing that would have let uh, Fusion IO drives boot. But that's like 10 years too late. Anyway. Um, so we toyed so around with it. Huh? Incorporating the old AMD RAM disk thing. Uh, it also has a, sort of. It also has a RAM disk layer. Um, they, they they say they're still working on this. They're still optimizing it. They're still making it better and faster and whatnot. Um, I did some quick tests. I didn't notice a big difference when I added when I turned on the RAM disk. You can take up to two gig of RAM and you basically flip a software switch, and now all of a sudden you have another RAM cache layer on top of the mm-hmm. SSD cache on top of the hard drive. That sort of makes it interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it was it was relatively painless. Um, but the catch is, you, you have to realize, it's block layer and it's moving the blocks. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, if your cache drive fails, well, you can just unplug your cache drive and just, like, boot off the hard drive. Not the case here. This is, if either one of these drives goes away, you're pretty much restoring from a backup. Raid zero with benefits. Yeah, I mean, it, because because you're going to... Have, you know, some of your blocks of data are now gone, meaning that there's probably a Swiss cheese of a file system remaining on the opposite device. Yeah. Like, you could have just chunks of the master file table just not there because they're on the other thing. And, and you might want a UPS. Uh, yeah. Probably, if you're incorporating that two gigs of RAM. Yeah, probably not a bad idea. I think the RAM is just used as a cache. Okay. Like a, just a cache only. And, and like, you know, I don't think it puts things there and, and leaves them without them going to the storage. You know what the, uh, the three worst words you can tell a system, system administrator is? What's that? Possible data corruption. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. that. I mean, I was kind of beating it up and, it, you know, nothing seemed to corrupt on me. But, I mean, I, I, I definitely... they've got a caching mechanism on the most... Um, robust drive that that duplicates the data it's putting on the faster ones that joshua that's kind of trying to was trying to get at is this is this a read through or write through second layer no you mean it's it just goes to the tier it's it's not even right it's not even through Mm. (laughs) it just writes um but in my experience like if you went to install something it seemed like it was writing it to the, the hard drive. So it seems like when, you, when you're adding files to it, I think it goes straight through to the slow tier. Um, maybe there's some threshold where it would kick over and try to write to the fast tier instead. Um, but as soon as you go to run that application, the first time, now it has to read some of it back from the hard disk because that's where it went. But then it, that's kind of like what it's learning seemed to be, is how often you are accessing things. So it keeps track of that at the block layer. And then, you know, you launch a game once or twice, and chances are, you know, the, the second time it was running, like, full speed, or almost full speed, the third time it was pretty much just SSD speed. Um, take a little bit away, because you have another layer everything's going through, just similar to that bottom driver thing. Um, you know, so the latencies aren't going to be bare metal latencies, but it was reasonably quick. It's a nice turnkey operation, too. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, uh, was there a specific platform, or was it, 
specifically it's x470. free on x470 the the fuse drive basic for amd users is 20 bucks on the other ryzen platforms and there's a more advanced one 40 i think yeah and i think initially it was supposed to only be like a oh this is a place where they have kind of the advantage over intel uh intel's um if you're using the old school rst caching uh you're limited to 60 gig maybe they're going to change that limit but that's when it's been that way for like 10 years now or something crazy like that um the limit here was 256 when we started testing and they upped it to 512 so if you take a 512 gig ssd you can add it to your hard disk and then basically the next time you reboot your os most of the blocks are going to move over to the ssd assuming you started on the hard disk and then you know pretty much just will just run ssd speed most of the time you know and then all your big stuff will just seamlessly shuffle off to the hard disk so i mean it's good i mean i like the idea i like that you're adding what acts like caching but it's actually just adding capacity as well right you could take a 512 gig you know you could take like a 960 or 970 pro or something and put a 12 terabyte hard drive alongside it now you just got a huge you know, huge volume. I've got a huge what? Got a huge volume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard it's the motion of the actuator arms. I see. <laughs> Multiple actuator arms. <sighs> you guys are so boring. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. All right. Um, next up, uh, Corsair K95 RGB Platinum. Wait, wait. Refresh the page. How did I skip? What page am I refreshing? There should be an AMD Q4 article sitting there from Josh. Well, well my show notes. Josh. 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 Um, Google, what happened to the auto-refresh? I just refreshed the show notes. Nope, nope. Sorry. Sorry. That's my bad. There's no article. Yeah. Okay, well, I need a link so I can go to the article. All eyes. That's fine. We're on the K95. You don't like me very much, do you? Here, dang it. Yeah, it's probably the what, top story what, on PC. Let me just go to the website. Let me just go to the website. There you go. Good, do that. All right, Josh. Click on an ad while you're on there. AMD. Yeah. <laughs> where's Where's our PC per merch? Pay for button. Pay for Josh's shirt uh, on the front. Do we have a Do we have a PC per no, merch button? We don't. Oh, not yet. We need we need a piece of merch, merch but anyway. Because I need my merch. Uh, AMD announces uh, quarter four 2018 results. It sure did. No, quarter one 2018. Well, why does that? What is this, oh, NVIDIA? Because I screwed up. You know, I asked it. I asked uh, Jeremy or somebody to edit this. I just read the article, mate. Your headlines <laughs> suck. I never read them. <laughs> All right. At least this time it's not my fault. Well, it could be your fault. Uh, fine, <clears throat> it's my fault. It's their Q1 2018. You know what? Regardless of how I screwed up the title and how the editors screwed up everything that I screwed up, uh, you know, everybody was expecting AMD to do well this quarter because we knew that they had multiple new products coming out. We've had some strength in the GPU market. Uh, Zen has been selling well with Ryzen. Uh, we had the Ryzen APUs, you know, the Ryzen with Vega being released as well. Uh, we've had their first Ryzen mobile parts. That were hitting the market, and so they thought that AMD would have a good quarter. Well, it turns out they had a far stronger quarter than people expected. 
And so uh, instead of about the $1.57 billion that people were expecting them to make, they made $1.65 billion, which is a pretty significant chunk of change in their pockets. Um, the greatest strength, of course, is their compute and GPU, uh, compute and graphics sector, which made up, I believe, what, $1.18 billion. And the rest came from the Enterprise Semi-Custom and Embedded Group. Um, it was a good quarter for them. Uh, it was, you know, again, no, no real surprise, but people were surprised nonetheless that it was as good as it was uh they made something like uh, 81 million in net income that's far better than the losses that they have seen throughout the past i'd say decade uh if you look at the uh, q1 2017 they earned 1.18 billion and uh going up year to year to 1.65 is simply massive. Uh, AMD is is currently firing on all cylinders. On the CPU side, they could be doing better on the GPU side, but uh, other areas that uh, is looking at the enterprise embedded and semi custom, uh, their their royalties from a lot of the consoles are going down. Uh, it kind of looks like when we talk earnings that those ventures are more front-loaded in terms of money than later on where the royalties are just kind of slowly slipping in and as console sales go down so do royalties Uh, these were partially offset by the epic processors and platforms that amd is selling to partners such as dell emc uh, cray a couple others that have announced products on it and certainly this isn't a huge amount of volume for them. I mean, Intel absolutely rules the roost in this area. But AMD is hoping to claw back, um, you know, kind of the mid-single-digit range, 5 to 8% they're hoping to, to get in this very lucrative market with their Epic processors. So they're starting to uh, get those out, and uh, there's a lot of excitement around those. Uh, the Ryzen 2000 series was just released. They started shipping them in the end of Q1 for the desktop. And, of course, the uh, the Ryzen with Vega was introduced earlier in the quarter, and those have been positive. And, again, the mobile parts. Um, it was interesting that AMD said that cryptocurrency and uh, blockchain-type applications were about 10% of the quarter's revenue, which is... Not small. I mean, if you figure it's an extra $165 million added to the bottom line, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Um, they don't expect sales to fall off nearly as much as we saw a couple of years back when the original Bitcoin kind of dropped in the market and was nearly worthless. And everybody started selling their used graphics card on the secondary market. We have many more options. And this is, you know, AMD's claiming this, that that the infrastructure and uh, the amount of products that they can compute on GPUs is far larger than what we saw in the past. And so people are more willing to hold on to their cards and use it for different products to, to mine rather than just dumping them on the secondary market and, uh, you know, flooding eBay with cheap, well-used cards. Um, AMD's not expecting that. But we'll see what actually happens. Um, they they really have 
their CPU market and their um, product development going really, really well. So we've got Zen Plus this year. Next year, around the same time, we're going to see Zen 2. Uh, Intel is, is you know, it's, it looks like they've got signs of life and they're going to start being more aggressive. But hopefully AMD is able to keep the pedal to the metal and uh, continue to produce um, competitive products at uh, decent prices. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But for now, they're kind of sitting pretty. The other interesting news is uh, they have received one seven nan. I believe they said they received one seven nanometer test chip or chips uh, from TSMC. Uh, the assumption here, uh, due to what Lisa was kind of caught saying in the uh, in the um, presentation they gave on on Q1 2018 is that this is a Vega-based part, and later on they're going to see an Epic-based part, and it's probably going to be based on the Global Foundry 7 nanometer. So we're probably not going to see this 7 nanometer Vega part be produced in mass numbers because it's not aimed at gaming. They previously had talked about that this is going to be more compute. They're going to aim for that. Uh, it's probably going to be more of a pipe cleaner type design to go through seven nanometer to help work out the uh, the kinks of a brand new high performance process. And uh, later in the year, we're going to have the Epic and uh, we probably won't see, I believe it's called Navi parts until 2019. So there are some rumors around that uh, they may have a, you know, Vega Polaris at, at 12 nanometer. But I doubt it. I think that they're going to do all their energies to making sure that 2019 is going to have a much better GPU product stack than we've seen. It's not that their product stack is bad. It's just not competitive in terms of power. So overall, AMD had a great quarter. Uh, They're building upon it. They're gaining some market share on the desktop and mobile. They're gaining market share, it looks like, in, in the server because they've been absent from there since the last generation of Opteron that simply was just not competitive with Intel's latest CN products. So any questions you guys had or uh, observations you'd like to make? Wow. Are you all on mute? We need a cricket soundboard. I, I would just say, wow, this is an amazing turnaround that I hope isn't a blip. In a quarter, and it doesn't look like it will be because, like you said, Epic hasn't really rolled out yet. So, hopefully, we'll see a bit more on their enterprise side. And they're and, expecting you know, Q two to be even better than this, yeah. about one point seven one five, one point seven two five billion I mean, uh, plus or minus fifty million to back to school. It's going to be good times. Be yeah, we've been well, a competition is good for the soul three, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they'll they'll at least have another, you know, next quarter should be good as well. Yep. Quarter quarter five. That's the article's quarter four. I don't think four. you know how quarters work. Well, the article's Q4. Mm, it's okay, neither does NVIDIA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, a little screwed up. Oh, it says Q1 now. Okay, good. So I'm, oh, Whoa. who changed that? God bless your soul. It certainly wasn't me. Oh, <laughs> we were we were hanging out the drive. Nothing. And, you know, I was going to change it to Q eighteen. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Can I can I do this one now, Alex? Can I? You may. Can I? Okay. Corsair K ninety five RGB Platinum review. 
Uh, what kind of keys are in it? Flagship keys. The flagship keys? Oh. Um, MX Red Speeds. Red Speed. Are those the ones with like the, the crazy shallow uh, trigger yeah, point? 1.2. Or something? Yeah, the actuation distance is 1.2. Also available in browns, which I like that choice because that's my preference of, uh, of keyboard keys, switches. Um, I like these keyboards. Actually, these keyboards are on most of the desks in the office, I think. Uh, this one on mine. Oh, wait, Ryan changed. Yeah, let's see yours. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, they're on all the desks in my house. How about that? Anyway. Um, you know, they're just, they're just good stinking keyboards. Look at that RGB. Yeah. Got the logo. Got that edge lighting. Got the backlighting. That's so many RGBs. Yeah, that's a, we first saw those at last CES, right? Like the there's a like a plastic strip along the very top that gets edge lighting. Did he get a picture of the edge lighting? There it is. It's pretty sweet. You know, but they're really just nice, solid keyboards. You know, it's an anodized aluminum like top plate to the whole thing that's reasonably thick like it doesn't really flex you know I have approves of RGB I mean, I mean even the non-RGB versions like they're, they're still the same build it's just you know oh, <laughs> thankful there's little green on the kitty oh uh, let's see uh, I haven't used the cherry speed switches but the or the Kayla Kyla However you pronounce that, I don't know. Yeah, the they have the coppers, which are kind of a clone of those with the one two millimeter. Yeah, I like them a lot. They are very very responsive and very impressed with them. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, I just like a little bit of the tactile feel, and you don't get any of that with any kind of a red switch. Mm-hmm. So what, don't you get that with the brown? There's a little bit of a bump, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the browns have the they don't they don't click. No, they but don't. But they feel like they clicked. Yeah. Right? So that's like where you know when when the switch uh, flips over. Uh, okay, it looks like their software, this is the new combined software, right? Uh, Corsair, Corsair Utility Engine 2, um, which is supposed to be able to handle the... No, I think the new one is IQ. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. Why didn't he use that? I don't know. This one looks... This one looks fancier than the one I'm running for mine. Like it's, uh, but I think I'm on Corsair Utility Engine One. All right. Anyway, look at that. You can make like color bands and like, man. I need to. I need to update the software I'm, I'm using. Uh oh. Did you send those? No. So they sent him PBT. Mm, PBT keys. PBT keys as well. Uh, you reviewed that in some keyboard recently, right? I reviewed the keycaps. Okay. Hmm. It's pretty. So 50 bucks for PBT keycaps, if you want them. Yeah, I don't think that's changed at all. Uh, that's, that's kind of costly. What was the cost? What was the cost of the keyboard? I'm looking, I'm looking. It's a wee bit wacky. Well, well, you know, where do you, yeah. where do you put it? All right. Well, I'm looking for the price. It's uh, 
$199.99. Okay. Good Lord, that's a lot of keyboard money. That is true. That is kind of And that's without keyboard. the fancy keycaps, which yeah. are 50 bucks extra. Yeah. You can at least put the PBT keycaps on it for wow. 200 bucks. I mean. Give you both. Yeah. No. That is kind of pricey for one of those, especially considering, like, it's, there's a lot of RGB options out there. How much is your now. ErgoDox, Alex? Uh, $350 Oof. all up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's he's got the fancy. Does it type for you? Almost. Uh, let's not go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do we got next? FSP Hydro, I think. Lee, the power supply arc welding man. Uh, yep. FSP Hydro PTM six hundred fifty watt platinum power supply. Uh, it's platinum rated, so that means the efficiency should be really dang good. What page should we go to? Uh, yes. Well, go come to, on, you gotta show Ken his caps. Gotta go to the one. Yes, you gotta gotta. Come on, come on, come on. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Suspense is killing. I'm getting the there. anticipation. I'm Build up. There. Where's that? Ah, oh, shivering. Sweet release. Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Uh, okay, okay. There we go. Oh, Whoa. there we go. <laughs> nice. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> this is some nice components. Do you guys all feel better now that you've seen? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm done lunch? here. <laughs> yeah. Can you got, 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 a, got a cigarette, Ken? Okay. Um, oh, now, now it's just getting obscene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to those final thoughts and... See, it comes with stickers. It comes with stickers to match your color scheme. Oh, red, blue, and green. RGB, oh my god, it's an RGB power supply. Oh no, it is actually. <sighs> anyway, what's the twelve volt rail? Fifty four point one seven amps. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> um. Well, the being, 650, the 750 is a bit better, but not much. So 125 bucks for a 650 watt power supply. They make a 750 for 140, and a 550 for 110. Uh, he gave it a gold award. That's actually high, that's high praise coming from uh, yep. coming from Lee because he is extremely hard. The only weakness being a misprinted box with a feature that it doesn't have. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. No. They, the, the price is decent for fully modular because usually uh, making the ATX power cables non-modular jacks up the price by like 20 or 30 bucks. So seeing it for under 140 is pretty decent. And a 10-year warranty is uh, not bad at that price. Okay. 10-year warranty? I yeah. wouldn't be alive by then. Have you seen what I eat? <laughs> yes. Burgers. <laughs> Well, that's, you should, that's all you eat, according you should, to you should, what I see. Yeah, you should start, stop skipping that day of the week. Or Every start Wednesday. That day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. I'm more of a Tuesday burger man myself. You should tweet a salad on some Wednesday and see the feedback you get. See if people revolt. It's a good idea. I like yeah. you thinking. All right, next that up. That one's free. <laughs> Life-saving advice from Ken. Um, next up, Samsung 970 Pro and Evo. Sort of a roundup, not a full capacity roundup because we don't have all of the capacities of them, but we have a decent sampling. Got the half a terabyte pro, and then for the Evo, we got a 250, a half a terabyte, and a one terabyte. Uh, they make the pro up to one terabyte, they make the Evo up to two terabytes. 
it's not backwards anymore. Uh, remember the 960 did that weird trick where they built the DRAM into the controller on the Pro so that they can have a higher capacity Pro than an Evo because they, they made more space. Um, this time the drives are all the exact same layout. doesn't matter if it's Pro or Evo anymore. Heck, the flash is almost identical. Do they there. have three and a half gigs of RAM because they're 970s? Uh, sure. And the last is going to go slower. Yeah, like the three last and a half, half gigs of fast RAM, then yeah. a half a gig of slow RAM. Yep. Um, all right, so uh, we took a look at these. Uh, specs are pretty much what you would expect. Slight incremental update, slightly higher specs or ratings than uh, 960s. No real surprises here. Uh, there's nothing like super amazing in any of their claims. There's no new kind of technology over the 960s. It's still doing um, it's still doing the uh, what's the dang name of the I always mess it up. They have TurboWrite Cache, but now they have Intelligent TurboWrite. Um, which is where there's a static SLC cache on the Evos, and then depending on how empty the drive is, it might take some more of the flash that's free and just expand the size of the cache. Why don't they just call it new and improved cache? I guess. I don't know. Um, cache Plus. But they introduced this as well with the 960. Uh, I don't even think the numbers have been tweaked other than the fact that now there is a higher capacity with a larger intelligent figure to go with it. Um, packaging, same as it ever was. I mean, it's, it's pretty much exactly like replace the 6 with 7. And for the most part, that's what you've got, except uh, let's just go right to this weighted thing here. Okay, so pay attention to the blue bars on this uh, burst random uh, chart, blue bars being read performance. This is going to be the number that's like relates to how snappy the system feels when you're trying to launch things that kind of pepper the SSD with a bunch of random reads. Um, and uh, is, is that the new WD Black? That is the new, okay, the new and improved Western Digital WD Black, one terabyte. Okay. Holds its um, weight pretty well, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Um, I included it as a comparison point here. I kind of ran out of room for comparison points on the typical size of our chart uh, because I was trying to compare the new to the old 970s and 960s, Evos and Pros, and throw an 860 in there, and you only got one more spot. So. Um, uh, but look at this progression. So, like, you, you could tell if you look at the 960 Evo, it gave us, you know, a score of 21,000. So that's basically like a weighted IOPS, um, a weighted realistic IOPS. Not like what these things are rated for, like hundreds of thousands of IOPS. You're never going to see that just trying to do regular stuff on the computer. Um, so 21,000 for the old 960 Evo. And the new ones... Uh, the 250 gig of the new model almost beats the one terabyte of the old model. And then you get like a three to 5% gain ish. Uh, when you go from the same capacity, 960 to the same capacity, 970, uh, you get a higher, I've, uh, what I've got to ask a really dumb question. Sure. So reads have lower IOPS than writes. They do. That's amazing to me. Uh, they do. It's because when you want to read something from an SSD, it actually has to get the information from the flash and give it to you before the read is done. 
uh, if you want to write something to an SSD, you're basically writing to the buffer of the flash memory. Ah, okay. So you just sprays it all. It's over easier the place. to push it all in than pull it all out. Yeah, like the SSD. The SSD acknowledges that it has received the write to the host, even though there's something else that still has to happen, right? Um, so then that, it's going to wipe it up and put it in the right location. Y- yeah. Now it does that it's, in a it does that in a protected way, relatively. Like you know the the ex, the sector you're in the middle of writing, you might lose if power goes away. But like, you know, that's file systems are designed at this point to be able to handle like a sector not completing. Like if you were writing a file and your power went out, well, guess what? The file's not going to be fully written to your drive, basically. Um, okay, so uh, nine sixty Pro, which was our chart to- chart topper. Uh, gets beat by the 970 Pro, even though it is a quarter of the capacity. We didn't have the one terabyte model to test. Um, still, uh, even though there's less parallelism to the flash and everything, still turns in a pretty dang high score, 27,600. Uh, that's like the highest number. Like if I scroll down here to the insane chart, I mean, the only other things beating it are Optane drives. Now, Optane drives will do hundreds of thousands of IOPS at low Q depths for random reads. Um, but, you know, 27,000 is not too shabby for a NAND SSD uh, that costs a lot less and is uh, way higher capacity. Um, where else can we go here? Sequentials, same sort of story. I mean, newer drives, faster sequentials. We're now almost past three gig per second on our more realistic sequential test, as opposed to one that just like hits the max Q depth possible. Um, oh man, just realized what a bear it is to scroll through these charts now to get to the. <laughs> I just want to get. There's just not enough choice in the SSD market nowadays. I tell you. No, no, no. There's not enough. Uh, not enough items out there. Um, same kind of deal with the, our mixed burst test. So this is more of a real world, like you have a download going in the background or you have something writing to the SSD in the background at the same time that you're, you're trying to do game launches or application launches or whatnot. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, these things are extremely consistent. You got to give them that. Like you can just see a nice subtle ramp as you go in the higher capacities of the Evos. And then you can see, a you know, generation to generation, Delta from the 960 Pro to the 970 Pro. Everything's working almost exactly like how you would expect it to work. Uh, combination of these drives being super consistent and the fact that our test suite like has an insane number of uh, repeating data points on same numbers. that it, It's like a huge averaging thing at the end of it. Um, so, yeah. It's good stuff. Um, and you can see here that you're only shaving off at a four gigabytes total red over over the course of its test, which takes a few minutes. Uh, you're only saving 0.3 seconds out of four. <laughs> so even though these things are getting faster and faster, you're getting to the point where you're splitting hairs is, is the takeaway, right? Diminishing returns. Diminishing returns, right? 960 Pro, four seconds total to do this. So that would be, basically, this is supposed to equate to a realistic, this is how long you're sitting there waiting for things to have launched total time, right? Four seconds for a 960 Pro, 3.7 seconds for a 970 Pro, and then for those curious, 3.4 seconds for a 900P. Um, You'll never get that three-tenths of a second back, though. uh, I guess, 
But my point is, you're only getting another three, you know, you only get another three-tenths to go with the Optane for actually launching things. Because the computer is also the limit, right? Like, you can only, you can random read super quick, but the computer actually has to do something with that information. Um, So once you throw that in there, you get the diminishing returns that Josh alluded to. Uh, Let's go to the end. And see how much these things. Let me cost. guess. Not ten cents a gig. Not ten cents a gig. Uh, this Did is. Did you t- read the first comment on the article? Uh, asked yeah. About ten cents a gig. Was what? that you? Anonym- anonymously anonymous. Probably. Anyway, um, so here's the thing: these are the fastest NAND parts you can buy. Right. It's replaces the throne of the 960 with the 970 in that respect. Um, they're still cheaper than Optane. Uh, but they're expensive compared to a lot of the competition that's out there that actually gets you pretty close. So if you want the top fastest, you know, top dog as far as the NAND SSD um, in a capacity all the way up to two terabytes, and actually notice that the the Evos this time, they actually start to, they ramp down in cost per gig all the way up to the the premium capacity. So you start at 48 cents a gig, it drops down to 43 so 43 cents a gig, not bad for a two terabyte product that performs as fast as that one probably will. I say probably because we didn't have the two terabyte sample, but I expect it would at least go as fast as the one terabyte, um, which was pretty impressive. Did the, I read something about write endurance going up on these as well. Uh, yeah, the endurance numbers are slightly higher over the last generation. Um, and the warranty is now five years on the Evo. Evo always used to carry a three-year warranty. Mm, that's nice. Um, so maybe there's just Samsung being super confident in their in their flash and like how robust it is at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of just like an. It's almost like you know a new Intel CPU, right? Like you get five to ten percent gains, get a couple of little tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it's just like the expected gain right i was surprised to see that kind of gain in a product that when the previous generation was already getting close to saturating the interface so you'd figure you're kind of like running out of room there usually don't have that problem with cpus uh no no usually (laughs) don't have the problem with cpus uh but you know it was nice to see that samsung can push this even further and especially get improved performance at the lower q depths because that's what a lot of people seem to miss like they're they're just going for oh if you do QDEV two fifty six you can get this insane high number that nobody can actually ever run enough programs at the same time to hit right yeah um, so it was good I mean the ratings on these products is fifteen thousand IOPS QDEV one and that's I applaud Samsung for even having the balls to have the spec whereas <laughs> nobody else has a QDEV one spec that they're willing to really? put in print right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's good, and and Samsung has been doing that since I think the 950. It was at least the 960 where they started. Um, I think as far back as 950. So they were they had their eye on that ball early, uh, which is good. So yeah, there you go. If you want the Pro, though, it's like sixty something cents a gig. You're gonna pay for it. That's you're gonna pay for the Pro. That, if you want the pro. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, what do we got next? Oh, yeah. Another keyboard. Logitech Craft wireless keyboard. Christopher also reviewed this one. I had this keyboard on my desk for a while. 
Um, also a two hundred dollar keyboard. Also a two hundred dollar keyboard. Um, I also put it on my wife's desk for a while. Uh, and then after reading this article, apparently Christopher had it on his desk for a while, and then put it on his wife's desk for a while. <laughs> from the sounds of it, um, my wife likes these. You know, the Mac chiclet style keyboards, even on her desktop, right? Um, and that's it's usually a lot cheaper than $200. They, yeah, it's usually a lot cheaper than $200. This is a wireless version. Uh, it's rechargeable. Uh, it has like a USB-C cord included. Um, it's uh, USB 2 on one end and USB-C on the other. Um, it has a knob in the upper left. A knobbin? It has a knob, yes. Um, it is a knob that can either you know those logitech mice that like you hit the well you have one on your desk right you hit the button mm-hmm. and or is yours just like the momentum scrolling Mine has thing? The momentum scrolling. Yeah. so like it's a mouse wheel that either clicks or has some other mode to it that's just smooth scrolling with no clicks to it um this keyboard actually has a really small servo motor that you can actually hear kick over and there is a mechanism in that that volume knob looking thing um that can switch between notched and smooth uh, and it also pushes in, and it's also touch-sensitive on the top. Mm. Um, and all of that functionality is incorporated into... Oh, and it's a LED backlight, not RGB, just LED, just white, so you can see the keys. You don't need, like, a light switch rave. Uh, where's the dang software? Here we go. Um, so there is... a. Software that lets you reconfigure, and that this knob is called the crown, kind of like the crown on a watch. Um, it's like application sensitive. It's reprogrammable. It's like you could scrub the video timeline in Premiere. You can use it to just scroll through pages when you're in Word or or whatever. Like just actually scroll through PDFs and stuff. Um, when you're on the desktop, I think the default is just to be your Windows volume control. Um, when I started using it, it was pretty early. Like it had just come out, and like I think it was even on like a beta firmware when we first got it in the office. Um, so sometimes for me, the ratcheting thing kicking on and off as you were changing like context to different applications like wouldn't work properly. So if it was supposed to smooth scroll in one place and then ratchet for your volume, like it sometimes would misdo it. Um, but they've come out with firmware since then, and I think they've updated that software several times. So I'm pretty sure that it, that's taken care of now. Um, if you get that kind of problem, just update the firmware on the keyboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. It was a cool keyboard. It was, uh, you know, a good experience. It it was kind of like a learning curve for having a knob in the upper left that did stuff, especially if you're used to the Corsair keyboards where it has the knob on the right for the volume. It's kind of like not in the place you might think, but you want to be able to keep your hand on the mouse when you use the that's, knob. That's it. You get you get used to it quick. So lefties and, need, need not apply, apparently. But yeah, <laughs> um, you get used to that. You 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 kind of have to like a mental switch has to take place for you to understand that the knob does different things in different like you're turning the same knob, but all you have to do is like just move your mouse off of that window and make another window active or make the background active, and suddenly that knob does something different. And then you're a knob. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, two hundred bucks. Um, That's too much. Yeah, it seems like too it's much. Too much. Um, maybe a hundred dollars is what I would pay for that. Maybe a hundred fifty. It's really. And I, it's, I, I like chiclet keyboards a lot. I have a MX 
master on my desk. Like I really like the free scrolling thing. It'd be cool if I could use it as context in different apps, but no way, two hundred dollars. Right. Absolutely no way. Okay. Uh next. We have a ad. All right. Well, I will let Ryan materialize in this seat and read the ad. Hey guys, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Couldn't be here today. I am doing what I uh, seem to be doing more often than than not these days, which is traveling, uh, visiting companies, learning about their new stuff, coming back and being able to tell you about what we found out. And that brings me in relation to today's podcast sponsor. That would be our friends at Away. Away makes affordable, high quality suitcases that can charge your phone. They actually have removable a removable. Uh, uh, like external battery, USB battery that goes slides into the into the luggage itself. It's actually super handy. By cutting out and by cutting out the middleman, Away is able to offer perfect luggage made with high quality materials at a lower price, which I think everybody can uh, can benefit from. There's a whole bunch of options. They've got ten colors, five sizes. They have the carry on the bigger carry-on. They have the kids' carry-on, plus medium bag and a large bag. Uh, They've designed the suitcase that can make your travel experience stress-free. The carry-on bag features two USB ports and a high-capacity battery that allows you to charge multiple devices devices on the go, phones, tablets, laptops, whatever, Uh, so you never have to worry about a dead phone or fight for an outlet at the airport, which is real. If you've never seen those, uh, the stickers people put on the wall of fake outlets at these places, it's actually really hilarious. Look that up. Uh, This is ultra-durable yet lightweight, made with a premium impact-resistant German polycarbonate. It's uh, got four 360-degree spinner wheels that won't get stuck or break. I'm a big fan of the four-wheel suitcases like that. They're theft-proof, meaning that the TSA-approved combination lock built in so you can keep your belongings safe. And uh, even overpackers, which I tend to be on these trips for no reason that I can really come up with, uh, you can fit everything you need. There's a patent-pending interior compression system that tightly buckles in bulky items. They come with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they fix or replace it for life. Uh, It's a risk-free 100-day trial. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund. And that's pretty awesome. Like being able to use this luggage, determine if it makes your travel better for 100 days. For somebody like me, that's quite a few trips. So uh, that's an awesome awesome feature. Plus, you get free shipping anywhere in the lower 48 states. Uh, I'm traveling with it now. I'm looking forward to it. I really do think I am often a person who, uh, say, I, I go through meetings till five o'clock. I'm taking a red eye flight home. I always have to charge my phone because I'm using it so much during the day. Uh, before I get on that flight to watch videos, whatever I'm going to do, being able to charge my iPad uh, and be able to sit at the airport, not have to look for a, uh, a power outlet, and not having to bring my own external battery. It's kind of built into the luggage. I think is is a pretty awesome awesome feature to have. So Away has a special offer just for listeners of the PC Perspective podcast. For $20 off of a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash PCPer and use promo code PCPer at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash PCPer, promo code PCPer, and we thank them for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. Thanks, guys. Where'd he go? Uh, he just, <laughs> he, you know, Transport out of here. Grabbed his bags and took off. Yep. Wheeled away. Uh, yeah. took his phone. What do we got? Yeah, he just came in to, to put his phone on the charger for three and a half seconds, and then, you know, he's gone. And show off his luggage. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Ken, you got some rumor stuff. Right? <laughs> this is Ken's rumors co- rumor Ken's corner. Ken's rumors corner? Yeah. Fire away, Ken. So this is a bit of a weird one. Uh... 
This surfaced uh, end of last week on Friday from a website called WinFuture, winfuture.de, I believe. They had some leaks of a Canon Lake U-based NUC, so the next generation Intel processors, uh, 10 nanometer, first 10, 10 nanometer parts, rumored. Of course, we don't really have any details on these. Uh, there had kind of been a leak, a leak before of this i3-8121U part, this, uh, I think it's a dual-core hyper-threaded part, i3, obviously, so a little, like the lower end of the performance for the U-series, the 15-watt stuff. However, when Future seemed to uncover this image of the packaging, like sort of just the bulk packaging, and then also an image of a driver, it implies it has discrete graphics in a traditional form factor NUC. So we're talking the 4-inch by 4-inch NUC. Yeah. And right there it says it has graphics, GDDR5, 2 gig. What is it? So that's weird. If you scroll down a little bit, you can see they actually got a screenshot Usually from the driver that says Radeon 500 series. Oh, so usually these are in different form factor when they do when they do discrete. Yeah. Right? So we've only had one nook with discrete graphics, and that has been the Hades Canyon nook, which is the bigger form factors using Capulake G stuff, the stuff we've known about for a while with Vega graphics. Over this is reporting as Radeon 500 series graphics. It's a much smaller PCB, and it has GDDR5. Uh, now, based on a couple other things, some educated guesses, if you look at the core clock, the fact it has two gigs of memory, and then sort of the, it says it has a hundred or a 90 or 100 watt power supply, I believe, also in the box, kind of sussed it out to be an RX 550 class GPU. So definitely the lower end of what AMD has to offer on the Polaris stuff. And then as it turns out, someone pointed us towards a 3D Mark score, which Coincidentally, had this i3 8121U in an RX 550. So it would seem. Why are they being little... so mean to Lenovo? <laughs> yeah, the Lenovo yeah. invalid. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so there's that 3D Mark leak. There's this Lenovo leak with one of these 8121U parts that kind of put it puts it on par with the. Cabby Lake uh, base dual core quad dual core hyper threaded i5 parts like the i5 7260U, sort of the mid range there. It just it's really weird because we've only we've seen some of these SKUs at retail now. They don't mention the graphics, but it's only the i3-8121U, which is the lower power part. Seems like you would put discrete graphics paired with something like. The quad-core hyper-threaded processors, which we assume would be present in the next generation as well, just kind of odd. I mean, I don't know if this points towards having... We obviously know Intel's having a lot of issues with 10, 10 nanometers, so maybe this i3-8121U is going to be the only Canon like U part we see for quite a while, which is why it would be in this configuration, but... St- it's weird. It seems like AMD and Intel's relationship, at least in this old Nook department, isn't quite over, or it's more than we thought it was. It's not just Kevy like G. They also seem to be buying some discrete GPUs for integration into Nooks, which no one really predicted. Is this going through the same AMD subsection that the integrated graphics were? The custom, semi custom. Uh, I would, I would say absolutely not because it's using GDR5. So it, it seems like this will just be a GPU memory and power delivery on the board, like we would expect with the typical notebook design, not the EMIB stuff, not on the same substrate. 
It seems like we definitely would have heard about that by now. And you couldn't really do that with GDDR5. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. It would still be taking up a lot of board area. Mm. It wouldn't have a lot of savings. It would be way more complicated. No, it is neat. And I'm looking forward to the all new NUC813CMSM3SPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPAMSPA
No, so HDR1000 is the new Visa spec, okay. which I don't think any TVs are certified against. It's more of a it's more of a PC monitor spec. Okay. This is the first HDR1000 PC monitor, essentially the first HDR1000 device. You'd figure that you'd want the TV to be the thing that would hit like the sun actually rising in your living room first, as opposed to the thing uh, sitting three feet from your face. It's just this isn't a, the Visa spec isn't something that TV manufacturers are using. I know, I they know, are I capable know. of doing that type of stuff. Yeah, some of them are. Like <laughs> Vizio announced a set that will hit 2,000 nits recently. Jesus, at least that's some small portion of. Of the, of the display, so anything support burn. HDR10. Burn my eyes, yeah, not just not just burn that. Like, I wonder if they have burn in. Are they bringing back burn in protection? <laughs> yeah, they're sunglasses. If you had a static image, two thousand nits blowing through some it's part of the, the TV. Not the entire image, and not for long periods of time. Okay, I hope for not. Like, I hope it backs it off or something. If you like, what if the source just keeps the sun on the screen in the same spot for like five minutes? Right. Oh, I can think of some fun new malware to write. See, see, like it's just gonna leave. You know, you could have the thing like big old fu in two thousand nits, and then like leave it up for a day. We'll call it Retinox or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, but what the hell source are you gonna use for this HDR? Because like nothing really supports HDR properly. Yeah. HDR and gaming works fine. The problem is that HDR gaming displays now are. HDR 600 at best and don't really yeah. look a whole lot different. If you had the display, if you hooked up an OLED TV to your PC, it would work fine in games. The whole desktop experience is just a nightmare. Yeah, that, that HDR slider see, in Windows like, does really shitty stuff. That but is if you want to play games or you want to watch movies, it's fine. You don't yeah. really want to use HDR on your desktop, I don't think. But, but you're not really selling me on it. Is the thing. It's like it sounds lovely and as someone just mentioned in the chat... The uh, Half-Life 2 little tech demo where they sort of tried to show you what HDR would be like with no HDR equipment whatsoever. And, and yeah, it looks kind of pretty, but you can do it in software. And honestly, I I haven't run into any HDR where I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely HDR. It's more like, oh, that's an HDR TV, is it? Okay. then we should, we should you're, not, you're not seeing the right displays then because – I may not be. I, I have an HDR set at home. It, it's a pretty – I mean in it was it's 2016 set I think and it, at that time it was a pretty high-end set but in today's standards it's kind of you know more middle of the range. But it, it, when stuff is properly graded for HDR, which admittedly not a lot of content out there, some of it is crap. Kind of like my point. Amazon does all of their series in HDR and some – don't take well to it at all. Like the Grand Tour looks really good. Playing Earth Two on Blu-ray and HDR looks really mm-hmm. good. Okay, I did believe. There's, there are definitely some movies like uh, the latest Pixar movie that came on Blu-ray. Coco looks amazing in HDR. Oh yeah. Content certainly not there. Netflix doesn't really do a whole lot of HDR. They do some stuff, but haven't really been impressed with a lot of that. So it's murky. Games have more of an opportunity, right? Because it's easier to. Great yeah, you're coming from a dark space, you would like space more often. Yeah. But, yeah, I just... Yeah. I haven't seen anything that sells me on it yet. Fair enough. And it's it's like one of the things, like you go to a, a big box store, it's not, probably going to be set up right with the right source, and you won't know if it's actually HDR if you're just looking at a OLED the, set that looks really good anyways. Jeremy, if you get a chance, like the, the Planet Earth stuff is... 
Yeah, it's just uh, like, where do you Blade watch that? Well, that's first I need a Blu-ray, yeah. then I need an HDR TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I should buy a Blue Earth or two. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Earth two. I mean, I if mean, you have the HDR TV, like you can stream it from. It's on like Amazon Video or something. Not think, HDR. Right? Yeah, it's HDR. And no, I bet not. you you can't get it in Canada. It's on whatever. It's on some source on my television that did not come from like my house, and my TV went into HDR. It's on mode. Netflix, but the Netflix version isn't in HDR. I don't know. At least it wasn't when they posted it initially. I don't know if they updated it. Either way, that content, like, you know, you're you're outside in the desert and they're looking at wildlife and stuff, and there's, like, all sorts of, like, shadows and highlights in the same shot. Like it's, Even not in HDR, Planet Earth 2 looks incredible, so it yeah, kind of defeats true. a lot of the point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But it does definitely add something to it. Yeah. Um, As sort of an update, I've been looking at a FreeSync 2 HDR display. I hope to post something on that before the next podcast. As you heard from my previous impressions on HDR and PC, it's we're not well, part of that's, we part we of that's Windows' fault. I don't think it's Windows' fault. I think it's the display's fault. We just don't have high quality HDR, small HDR displays yet. Like this is a yeah. the uh, Philips you're talking about is a 43 inch. It's a TV essentially, basically. So they can hit a thousand nits. Trying to do that at 27 inches is an incredibly difficult problem, as it turns out. So, yeah. man, I'll get off my soapbox now. Okay. Because uh, it's getting late. Next up. It's true. AMD clarifies warranty terms for Ryzen CPUs. <laughs> the heat sinks. Back uh, on the soapbox. <sighs> yeah. What the? Uh, oh, I didn't know they clarified so, stuff. Free the TDP. So, so the story was that you have to use the inbox cooler so, or you're voiding your warranty <laughs> on a CPU. Yeah. So on Monday, a Reddit user found the AMD support page that said if you're using AMD processor in a box – or processor in box queue, then if you use anything but the provided thermal solution, your warranty is invalid. And I've actually seen some people post like inserts from their Radeon, their their Ryzen 7 2400G that had the same terms on it, essentially. Right. Uh, obviously, there's no real reason, no real way AMT could tell if you're using a third party cooler. Right? When you go to RMA, this thing, and it seemed a bit weird. There's like obviously AMD promotes using third party cooling solutions all over the place, so it seemed weird. They cleared up the warranty terms, uh, I think today on their support page. We linked to it. Essentially, it's if you're using a cooler that is not up to the specifications that AMD provides manufacturers for cooling, like if you're trying to use some. 45 watt cooler on your 105 watt Ryzen 7 2700X and it manages to blow up, then it's not covered. Yeah. Like if they find you using a really not up to par cooling solution, they can invalidate your warranty. Even then, I don't think your processor would die. It would just shut off. Most people that don't use the core that came with the CPU are probably upgrading. Yeah. Unless, (laughs) unless you're going with the zip tie method, like a certain YouTube hardware guy likes to do occasionally. Mm. At least he uses proper coolers when he's zip tying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of much ado about nothing. But it's good that the community found it. They got AMD to update this page, which was definitely which was incorrect. And in they're, yeah, I mean, it was just like what they were actually planning on enforcing. So good on everyone getting it updated quickly. But yeah, so nothing really changed in the end. What you assumed was the case is now still, again, the case. Yay. Jeremy. What? Tell me about Battletech. Or is that... Uh, Well, 
I've blown about an hour and a bit last night when I managed to reclaim a little bit of time to have some fun. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, if you caught the discussion earlier, it's reminiscent of the tabletop game and that it is not very quick. It is turn-based, but it still maintains some of the velocity that you feel if you have at least a bit of an inf- uh, of an imagination. And if if you found XCOM a little bit slow, don't even bloody well think about it. If you loved Mech Warrior and screwing around with Mechs and Mech Commander, it's the first real Mech game we have had in for friggin' ever, and we're gonna get spoiled because there's a new Mech Warrior coming out as well this year. It's it's been fun. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to last because I haven't really played much. And Alex at uh, Rock Paper Shotgun did have some comments about, yeah, after my two dozenth battle, I was just kind of bored of the animations and it just takes forever to do turns. But hell, I mean, if you've ever played uh, a Total War game, the, the newer versions take forever for the eyes to do a turn. But at least this way you can see what's happening and yell and scream at your monitor. So mm-hmm. I, I'd put it on your to-do list if you've got some time, a bit of cash, and uh, an enjoyment of big stompy vehicles and death from above and stomping on the crunchies. Sweet. almost feel like we've ventured into picks of the week, even though we haven't. <laughs> um. All right, what have we got next? Uh, da, 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 da. Windows 10 Lean. That Windows 10 with cough syrup? Well, okay. You, no. You guys all know what this What was the name? It was like Windows 98 Lite. Yep. Remember that? Some some poor guy slaved away and figured all of the guts and innards of Windows, and he made like a way for you to chop up the installer. Oh, come on. XP Embedded? Uh, well, yeah, but like... That's still running all over the damn place. Yeah. Oh, every... Like, you used a bank machine today? Guess what you <laughs> used? I'm sorry to say. Yeah, but this is... Uh, okay, so a lean version of Windows 10. Uh, two gigs smaller than typical versions. Now, realize this is already yeah. in addition to other tricks that Windows has done in recent months where it, like, reduces its footprint by not having, like, a whole extra copy of... Like, you used to have, like, two copies of everything after an install. Now it, like... Now it can, like, sort of stream bits and pieces of, like, the image that's on the drive and stuff like that. Like, they've made headway recently. Huh, um, I, didn't, I didn't know that. They were doing a bunch of stuff to trim space, but not this. Yeah. This is a totally different level. Um Unfortunately, they're probably doing this for those laptops with like eMMC really crappy drives. In Target them. devices, sixteen gigs of storage. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, how do you how do you get this though? Like what? And what did they get well, rid of? This was part of the rumors that we saw come out uh, earlier this week because uh, someone was screwing around in a knowledge base article, and there was a big push for last year's Fall Creators update. Uh, there's a major update coming, which in theory is for our spring update. But in there was a little bit of uh, mention about this skew. And what it looks like is it's not going to be Windows S. Like, it's not going to be Windows 10 S where, sorry, you'd lock down to the Windows Store. And yeah. unless you're bright enough to get the hell out of it, 
you know, no one's going to get it. But at the same time, like when Microsoft's already pretty much abandoned their phone lineup, uh, pretty much for sure officially now. So what 16 gig device is it that they're looking for? Unless they're looking at embedded stuff again. Have you heard of Chromebooks, Jeremy? Yeah, but I don't want to spend a thousand bucks on them. Well, Well, as it turns out, everything but the one Google sells are cheaper and have 16 to 32 gigs of storage. Yeah. And it's very much a a market Microsoft would like to be in, which is why Windows 10 S existed in the first place. True. So, you know, why not take another swing at things? I just really wonder the Microsoft way. Like, I wonder what they what are the, what do you trim to get? Like, what do you get rid of? Uh, you get you get rid of the Hibernate file. That's like that's like eight gigs. Uh, well, in this case, you just never created it in the first yeah. place. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I think they're yeah. I'm, I'll, obviously, they're getting rid of, of two gig worth of stuff somehow. Yeah. Maybe they get rid of Paint 3D. They don't sell Candy Crush by default. Oh, see, see now. The reason I used to run 98 White was not because it was smaller; it was because they trimmed all the fat. Right? There wasn't much fat of, in Windows. There, there wasn't. There, well, Wait, I mean, you, you okay, it wasn't that it was smaller. They just trimmed off all the fat. And light, and light was a different. Sadly, it thing. wasn't NTFS at that point yet. Yeah. Wah 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 wah. All right, uh, what do we got next? NVIDIA releases uh, RTX. Oh, is that that? That's that ray tracing stuff. Well, uh-huh. they released a driver. You, you okay. stopped at that point. 397.31. If you own a Volta. And yeah. in that driver mm-hmm. is the beta version of RTX, if you happen to have a Volta-based GPU. Oh. And from Scott's article, it sounds like you kind of need you need to be on Spring Creators, and you need the Microsoft DXR package, which is their sort of ray tracing integrated into DirectX. Yeah. So I mean, this is only really for software developers, but it's cool to see it kind of have a fairly wide release. Where yeah. if you were if you had access to this stuff, you could start developing. You have to have all the things on the fast ring for beta, whatever, like as early as you can get everything, and then maybe it will work. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to push eighteen oh three next week, I think. So, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's the Microsoft DXR developer package that's kind of the big part. I don't know if that's just like a public yeah. beta people can sign up for or not. I think if you're on the fast string, you, you essentially you're getting it. But it seems like that's a big chunk of the update that we're slowly starting to see now. And by about April eighth, is going to be pushed to just about everyone. Also, you need to have a three thousand dollars GPU. So you know, yeah, you yeah there's that. There's yeah, the slight little. If you right, got, got the three. Volta. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, and if you play BattleTech, apparently you're supposed to be using this driver or uh, Frostpunk. Frostpunk. I just ran into it because I was like, what in the hell is that? And it's a city builder in a world that's been in the middle of an ice age. And apparently you have to make a whole bunch of horrible, horrible decisions to keep the city going. Huh. That's about as far as I got. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Picks of the week. Hold on a second. Oh, uh, one, <laughs> two. What? You know, you don't have to put it in the show notes. Three. You can just show it on the screen, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Spelling counts. You you have the screen. All right. Uh, so say you want like 
uh, one of those USB external enclosures that you take your SATA SSD and stick in, right? Let's say it's an SSD that's like a nice looking one that, you know, where it's like a high capacity you want to show off or whatever. And you want to be able to see the SSD. That's Does it have RGB? No RGB. Oh, thank God. Um, this is sort of like a swatch style USB <laughs> enclosure, right? It's just a clear plastic enclosure. You throw your SSD in there. And you're playing show and tell. You're burying the lead. You should take the, inclo- the take the case off your SSD and put it in this enclosure. Uh, but then it won't yeah, stay we're just in there properly. SSD. But yes, you could take the housing off of your SSD, stick yeah. it in there, and you'll still have a thing that protects it. Although yeah. if it's if it's any of the new Samsung ones, this housing is too big because <laughs> all the PCBs in those drives are only taking like half the size. Okay, the fine. Take the SSD apart. Break Curve out off the, the uh, break out the sawzall. Break out the sawzall. Oh, yeah, okay, cut in. Yeah. Then you might as well make your own housing. Super then. glue it back together. <sighs> anyway, it's USB three, UASP, elemental P, all those things, right? Um, type C. Type C. There are different versions of this that just come with different cables, and there's a version that doesn't come with a cable that's cheaper. But then you have to bring a Type C cable. Who has one of those? Uh, so like you know, like the, <laughs> so if you have already have a short Type C to Type C, or you already have like your cable covered. And save yourself a couple bucks, but this thing's only like 15 bucks as it is. Um, you know, pretty cool. And the the chip that handles this, uh, you know, USB 3.1 um, UASP stuff, is it's basically the same chip being used everywhere. So you're, not, you're probably not going to have any kind of compatibility issues at this point with anything like that. All right. Cool. Uh, that's mine. I got to open. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's cheap. SSD not included. Oh. Uh, who's up next? Jeremy, since we're being all backwards today. No, that's the order it normally goes Oh, then in. that would be Josh. Oh, sorry. I got thrown Should, off by yeah, the beginning. Just do it. <laughs> all right, so uh, desperation pick, but hey, a decent deal for Canadians. What? 21 by 9, ultra-wide, free sync, 1444 hertz. Uh, it was a UL monitor... No. You mean a VA oh, monitor, vertical oh, okay. alignment. Uh, it's, it's just about 200 bucks off. That's not, bad. not so bad. And, and you don't have to deal with uh, HDR. <laughs> it's it's just going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to go crazy, the, uh, the QHD one is 579 which honestly isn't a horrible deal either. So you sort of got a choice between the two of them, and they're both free sync. Cool. So uh, you know, if you can only get a free sync GPU at a reasonable price. Can I interest you in an AMD Compact Crate? You can't get. You can't. Oh, okay. Not yet, but we're going to have a discussion about this at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fully recorded and on air. Mm. Fine. Okay. Uh, let's see. What do we got next? George, what do we have next? George loves something. I love a lot of things. <clears throat> Some of them are even legal, <laughs> like this one. It's the uh, it's the Corsair 750D uh, Airflow. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roomy, wonderful case. Construction, great. Easy to work with. It's got. It's got five and a quarter drive base for all your optical Gee, needs. I, what, whatever would you possibly want with a five and a quarter bay on a PC, Josh? 
I, I, I can find uses. Or, or three of them, like this yes. one has. You put an optical drive yes. in one and an IC dock in the other two. I see. There you go. And it's, it's a not as quiet as the other 750D. It's about $20 more expensive. So you can get your, you know, you can get your druthers. If you want a little bit quieter, it's got a solid front on the 750D, mm. but the Airflow Edition has that really mm. kind of nice, uh, uh, great, and, you know. It's more open. Stuff. That's why. Yeah, that's why it is sundress season almost. That's why it's slightly louder. <laughs> it's right. I I think this is the case I have at home currently, and I'm running it without any fans in it at all, and it's very very quiet. If you oh, take the fans out, well, yeah. If you remove the no- noise producing equipment, and what he didn't tell you is he also filled it with mineral oil. Oh, oh, oh okay. yeah, super quiet. And he hasn't turned it on yet. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So anyway, nice quality, good build, very sturdy, easy to work with. Not terribly expensive. Looks good. There you go. Kind of thing you could take home to meet your mom. Exactly. <laughs> I married mine. Your mom? I, I see. No, not my mom. Okay. Um, Freezing. Next is Ken. So let uh, me paint a scenario for you. Uh, I know people love when I do this. Picture this. We use Dropbox here. For the data, for all the articles we're working on, we have it on. We have Dropbox syncing to our file server. It's great. Everyone gets access to all the same files. We can access them remotely. Right. Except the file in which the folder in which we have all of the Dropbox stuff has grown too big to be synced to, to your Dropbox to my Dropbox account because I ain't paying Dropbox. Right. However, recently I've been using OneDrive a decent amount. I have Office 365 because I need Office, and I get terabyte of free storage. Yep. I use it. It works pretty well in Windows 10. Yep. Web interface is all right. You know, it's a... It works. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it doesn't help me a whole lot, right? Because files are the in Dropbox article here. stuff is in the Dropbox, yeah. I've used Office OneDrive for home. Uh-huh. It's a course, big mess. Of course, people have solved this problem. One of these companies I came across is Cloud HQ. So essentially, they let you associate with all of the APIs for all of these different cloud service cloud services, and then they'll sync between them. So I have the articles folder on the Dropbox syncing to my OneDrive, and it goes back and forth. Huh. Yeah. It, it works pretty quickly. It takes about, I don't know, five minutes for something to push up from OneDrive down to them. Oh, up to, okay, like, okay. like It's not a, I'm working on this in real-time collaboration sort of thing. It's, okay... I want to have access to this at home, so I want to make sure this is all synced at some point. Yeah. It, it is surprisingly quick, though. Uh, if you go to the pricing page real quick, uh, you can actually do a lot of stuff for free, which is nice. You look at the free tier. Uh, you can unlimited backup and sync of free cloud accounts. This is kind of the stickler as to what they determine is a free cloud account and what is a premium cloud account or okay. a business cloud yeah. account. So... Apart from the $118. Yeah. So the Dropbox that we use here is a premium account. Uh-huh. They also determine my OneDrive account to be a premium account because it because is an Office 365 account. Yeah. So it works for two. I'm on the two-week free trial, and it's worked, and it's synced everything. Mm-hmm. But it's 118 bucks a year for one user to do unlimited backup between premium Eesh. accounts. Is so that steep? I don't think I'm going to continue with it, but the service works really well. It's easy to set up. And if you're looking for something like this, I think it's a good option. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're switching over some file service stuff here. So hopefully this isn't as much of an issue. We want to like have 
external yeah, we storage might be able to, we can log into. We might be able to start using own cloud or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've looked into own uh, cloud in the past, and it's, it's a pain in the ass to get running. You have to run it in their VM. And yeah, just the, but I think on that yeah. machine, I think on that NAS we have. Yeah. Just the, the setup process for own cloud, like once you had the, like I installed the distro and everything, and it was fine. Just like setting it up in their web interface was so many layers deep, and it was yeah. really complicated where, like this was super simple to set up, but it's definitely pricey. They build it as a thing for professionals. So, I mean, again, I probably won't do this unless it's a business reason you're making money off of it. But if you do have like a Google drive account and a free one drive account or a free Dropbox account, you want to keep sync between it can do free accounts. It works pretty well. So you don't have to give them a credit card or anything, but is this a local app you run or is this a pass? It's a web app. So you just give it okay. OAuth access, API access, and then they do the rest in the background. And it sounds like so, the reason you're paying them is because I think they're storing a copy. Uh, I doubt they – well, I don't know. Because yeah. one of the options of the paid account is unlimited backup and sync of premium cloud accounts. Yeah, so but I don't think they, they have, have a backup copy. turned on. Well, right. So in theory, they don't have to back it up. Like I'm not expecting them to right, back right, it up. Right. It would be nice if sync was free. But yeah, yeah. But you figure for them to sync it, they probably have to have at least a local copy somewhere. Well, at least temporarily. Yeah, temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I was moderately curious there with the save emails to cloud because you mentioned you use Office three fifty nine and <laughs> Microsoft has some questionable ideas as to email retention policies. Really? But I clicked through and no, it's only Gmail to mm-hmm. this, which. Now yeah. I'm wondering why I'd back up my Gmail right. emails. Yeah, especially just I think I've got a hundred trillion terabytes of storage at this point. I'm afraid to know what format they'll end up in on the cloud service. Uh, Outlook Express. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get it. You're not going to want to try, but yeah, you could yeah, get yeah. it in theory. And you won't be able to open the file because it's too large for Outlook Express to open. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Okay, um, I think that's it. Alex, you got anything? Nope. Still holding on the Ergodox for a later episode. Okay, okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Um, Jim's over there in the zone, so we'll leave him alone. PCPro.com slash podcast. You mean the uh, wet wipes and the lotion? No, those are on Ryan's Nobody, desk. Still. Listen, Jeremy. Nobody touches Ryan's Jergens. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't believe that for a second. And it's not because he's told us not to touch it? We just know. We just know. It's a slightly off-white bottle. You wouldn't be able to see anything on it. Just saying. Don't, anyway. don't take a blacklight to this office is all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, PCPrinter.com slash podcast. Sure? You can feel free to take a blacklight to that, and you'll find our uh, show notes. Once they go up tomorrow, when Alex posts this horrific train wreck of a podcast, um, twitter.com slash pcper or twitter.com slash Ryan Shrout. If you want to tweet the boss, ask him where the heck he is and why he's not at work. And uh, with that, I'll say uh, good night. Mm-hmm.